0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the B2B Marketing Podcast. My name's Lucy Gilman. I'm Deputy Editor at B2B Marketing, and I'll be your host. Our guest this week is DDS Dobson Smith, Chief People Officer at Just Global, licensed mental health professional, and author of You Can Be Yourself Here and Leadership is a Behaviour, Not a Title. On this episode, we'll be taking a deep dive into creating attractive workplaces and some of the policies over at Just Global. So, DDS, first things first, welcome to the show. Could you tell us a bit about yourself and your role at Just Global?
1: Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, thank you for the introduction. Um, <clears throat> my job, uh, my role at Just Global really is to um, to facilitate an environment where people can be at their best and, um, and deliver great work and um, establish great relationships and have a meaningful Chapter in their career path. Um, in terms of a little bit about me, other, other than other than the kind introduction, so i've I've been I've been working in 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 um, HR, uh, the people realm for about thirty years. Um, I have been in agency land for the last uh, I'm going to say nearly fifteen years, um, and um, have worked across a range of different. Uh, sectors um, in domestic and global roles, everything from retail through to hospitality, through to music and entertainment, civil engineering. Um, but my 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 love and where I feel like I really fit um, is in is in marketing and media.
0: Amazing. So thirty years in HR is obviously a long time. But how do you think things have really changed throughout those three decades? What do you think is one of the biggest changes?
1: Goodness me! Well, when when I when I first started in this realm, we were called personnel management. Um, so I've I've seen that shift um, from personnel management into human resources, into talent, and into people. And you know what's in a name change? Well, you know you could argue that there isn't uh, there isn't necessarily anything significant about a name change, but then you could argue opposite. And I think um, I have definitely seen, um, at least in the in the type of HR I like to practice, a shift from managing risk and control into people enablement um, and into the creation of workplaces where where people can be themselves, um, where they can be led by um, leaders who are worth following. Where they can have flexibility, where they can create meaning, um, and where they can create relationships um, with their colleagues and even with their customers um, that are deep, meaningful and could last a lifetime.
0: Amazing. And just jumping off that point around flexibility, you know, as I said at the start, we're here to talk about creating attractive working workplaces. And I think flexibility and hybrid working is one of the main points of twenty twenty three. So, yes. can you tell us a bit about Just Global's approach to flexible working and why it's a bit different from what we're used to seeing?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I would say that you know the reason why this is such a such a topic du jour, um, you know, in in 2020, I think the, the you know the world, the uh, the paradigm of work shifted um, irrevocably, um, and you know, I I noticed that there are slightly different sh- nuances depending on. Which country or which market that you're in, I would say for for sure as a result of what happened, um, you know, with the with the COVID pandemic, which you know to a certain extent we're still in. Um, but what what we saw was a, a, a sharp realization that office based work was not crucial to productivity and was not crucial to outcomes. Um, important, right? Person-to-person connection, of course, is important. Um, But for many, many years, when there was that tension between, you know, a lack (quote unquote) allowing people to work from home or presenteeism in an office, that got thrown out of the window. And I think, as as a result of, um, or one of the many um, outcomes or or results um, from um, the last few years, has been a realization amongst the workforce that. What matters is outcome, uh, and what matters is relationship. And I can deliver outcomes, and I can I can create relationships from anywhere, um, particularly in such a connected world. Now, it it yes, it absolutely takes a different um, it, it takes a different mindset and a different set of skills that I think we are probably still developing as a as a as a workforce and um, in the corporate world that um, that, the, you know, to build relationships and to um, manage productivity and to stay connected from a human to human point of view. Um, is different to being at the water cooler or you know waiting outside a meeting room because the other meeting is still is running really long and that's when you get to have a natter and a catch up with your colleagues. Um, but you know there are there are different tools that allow us to do that and and I, I really think that the the workplaces that are succeeding at the moment and will continue to endure are the workplaces that acknowledge that both worlds um need uh, or, or both um uh, both both styles of working are are important like allowing for flexibility while also creating um meaningful moments of in-person connection
0: mm.
1: now i know i didn't i didn't answer at all what just global is doing and that was your question um and so in terms of you know at just global we we operate um, in, a, in a hybrid working environment. So um, we do have some physical hub locations in um, some major cities around the world. Um, a- and no one is required to be in those offices. There might be some times when we are doing team offsites, or perhaps we are running some training or perhaps we are getting together to practice for a pitch. Um, But other than that, um, you know, people get to work from where they want and when they want. And we 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 ask teammates at Just Global to think about three important questions. Does it work for my customer? Does it work for my team? And does it work for me? And if the answer is yes to all of them, it's kind of, okay. well, then you get to, you know, you get to do and be where you need to do and be. The other thing that we do at Just Global, which I think is just incredible, um, is we operate something called Flex Fridays. So, in, in effect, um, uh, we everybody at Just Global um, uh, gets every other Friday off. I mean, you know, and, and we get to use it for what we want, whether it's to you know to um, look after our mental health, like if we just want a sofa day and we want to just watch Netflix the entire day, or if we want to go to a museum or we want to go out and have some fun, or, you know, if we want a day where we can just get through admin, whether that's life admin or work admin, without having to be on meetings. Now, of course, we're on call for emergencies or, you know, if, if our customers need us, but this every other Friday is just such an amazing opportunity for us to to have a regular three-day weekend um that's just just a couple of like the hybrid working and the flex fridays i i think are um uh, important uh aspects of allowing our teammates and enabling our teammates to have that flexibility that whole idea of you know live to work versus work to live kind of thing you know
0: no i love it and i think I think the Fridays are so important to really take that rest. You know, that you can't really properly disconnect in two days. And I'm sure, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm sure you probably see productivity go through the roof when people have that every other Friday.
1: Right. And you know, you know, the thing is, you know, I mean, I I, I don't know if you experience this, Lucy, but like when it's when it's Christmas and when everybody's off, or when it's Thanksgiving in America and everybody's off, when when the when the whole team is downing tools. You get to really step away because Slack isn't pinging, and there's no emails that you have to worry about, and and so, um, I, you know, as I said, obviously we're there for emergencies, and if our customers need us, but that opportunity just to go, ha oh, I, I I can actually step away, and um, and yeah, you know, um, of course it does. It it impacts well being, which therefore impacts productivity. Um, uh, without a shadow of a doubt.
0: Amazing. And I wanted to go back to something you said before about companies acknowledging both worlds. Not to sound like a negative Nancy, but what do you think happens to companies who can't recognize that people have these two worlds and can't make them work with each other? And a second question, you mentioned COVID before. Do you think we would have ever got to this point if we didn't have the pandemic?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, wow, those are two meaty questions. <laughs> um, so the, the the first the first question: What happens to companies that don't recognise human need for flexibility? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I I think one of the things that that we have seen very clearly with you know phenomena such as the Great Resignation and then the Great Regret and the Great Realisation as I called it the Great Realisation actually yeah. um, is that you know we have choice. People have choice. And the, what, what, what has been called quiet quitting, I think is, is a symptom of companies not recognizing what people need these days. Um, and so whether people vote with their feet or vote with their hearts, what you end up with in organizations that don't acknowledge and go to meet, meet their people where they're at or, or meet in the middle, whichever kind of metaphor you want to use is, the, is, is exactly that, is that people will either quit or they'll quiet quit. Now, the question about COVID, right? And would we, would we have ever gotten to where we are In terms of this paradigm shift, um, without it, I mean, you know, three years of a pandemic is 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 chronically um, damaging. You know, Um, we don't, we truly don't really know yet. Um, And I'm speaking as a as a mental health professional here. We, we truly don't know yet what the long-term effects are. My husband is a teacher and, you know, they talk about all of the issues that, um, that we're seeing with, with young people and what they've missed out on their education, but not necessarily the, the cognitive aspects of the education, but the social aspects of education so you know i i don't know i don't know what's going to happen and but i do genuinely believe that for all of the terrible awful things that happened um during the covid um during the covid pandemic during lockdown during social distancing during all of those times when we were so separated from each other and of course all of the deaths um I, I do also believe that 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 some, and I say this carefully because I don't want to cause offence. Um, I do believe that there are were some silver linings, and I and I do believe that um, people acknowledging that they can and should look after themselves, and. Um, organisations realising that the workforce can um, work from wherever they wish to um, in order to, you know, deliver goals and to, and to create success. I think those were definitely, um, you know, some silver linings.
0: I agree. I think, like you say, I think calling it the great realisation is a really nice way to put it and I think we've all heard it before it was a shift in how people see work both as an an employee and as an employer and i think as well it brought conversations about mental health and well-being to the foreground
1: i would agree i would agree and um helping to kind of destigmatize some of those you know the cuz for for many for, for two or three years you know we we were inside each other's homes albeit virtually um but we got got a glimpse into the person behind the role and I think it helped to rehumanize everyone and to um, a- and to give people perhaps just a little bit more confidence and courage to say you know I'm, I'm not okay um, and I and I have some needs um, in this situation and I have to step away or I have to take care of myself um, and um yeah yeah
0: amazing i think following on from that one policy at just global that i'd really like to focus on is cultivating a sense of belonging so can right. you tell us what you mean by that and the steps that just global are taking
1: yeah i can um so um you mentioned at the top of the interview um that i um have authored two books one one of them is called you can be yourself here which is Um, and the, the subtitle to that is your pocket guide to creating inclusive workplaces using the psychology of belonging.
0: It's a long title.
1: Long title, (laughs) but fabulous book. Um, (laughs) Um, yeah, so, you know, I, but belonging is, is a, is an embodied emotional, mental, sometimes spiritual experience. You know, we, we have all had, um, experiences when we arrive at a place and um we feel it um we feel whether we are welcome there or not um and um and you know so great is the need to belong that we will you know we will bend ourselves into different shapes and sizes in order to fit in so that we are deemed acceptable by the others whoever whoever the the others are and um you know we want to belong because that brings connection that brings affirmation um that brings clarity and comfort and connection and um you know I, I like to i like to you know i like to ask people you know did did you you know put your hand up if you survived high school and and i use the word survive very de- deliberately because it's a it's a terrible time yep. i i don't think i would ever wish anyone to have to go back to high school because it's that time of our lives when our bodies are changing and we've got kind of like one foot in young adulthood one foot in childhood And, you know, we're desperately trying to find our people. And I remember being at high school as a, you know, as a a chubby queer teen and desperately trying to find my people. And I tried to fit in with the girls. I tried to fit in with the boys. I tried to fit in with the sporty kids, which absolutely did not work. Um, I I mean, I even tried to fit in with the teachers, you know, like and. In, in those moments, what I was doing was kind of like bending myself into different shapes and like maybe dumbing parts of myself down, hiding parts of myself so that I would be deemed acceptable by the people that I was trying to fit in with, which is ultimately is, is a futile act um, because what ends up happening is the bits of you that you're trying to repress or suppress end up like popping up. And, and the other people are like, oh, you're, you're not the person that I thought you were. And, and, they, and they kind of back away from you. And I think the same thing happens in the world of work. You know, um, how many times have you, have we um, walked into a meeting and asked ourselves, what version of me must I be now? Um, what can I talk about in terms of, you know, um, can I can I talk about my kids? Can I say that I need to leave on time in order to go and pick my kids up? Can I talk about my same sex partner? Can I talk about the fact that I don't drink because of my religion? Um, what what version of me? And you know, we we code switch, um, and that that code switching in order to fit in in the corporate world takes up an inordinate amount of psychological energy. Mm. And I believe that if we create workspaces um, using the psychology of belonging, it it means that people can come to work and that energy that they would otherwise use, trying to fit in, um, code switching, suppressing aspects of themselves, that energy is freed up um, and freed up for the work, for customers and client relationships, for um, productivity, for engaging with each other. And so that's why, you know, creating workplaces where people can be themselves, truly be themselves, is so crucial in this day and age. Um, And I talk about how, you know, diversity plus inclusion equals belonging. Diversity is a fact. Um, Inclusion is a belonging. Inclusion is um, a feeling um, and belonging is an experience. So when you think about diversity, you, you either do or don't have a diverse organization. You know, When you look around, are there people that look like you? Are there people that don't look like you? You have to answer yes to both of those questions in order to, to have diversity. So once you've got diversity, then you have to think about inclusion and is, is the organization behaving inclus- in inclusive ways? And it's not just like person to person behavior. It's the organizational behavior, like the policies, the processes, the platforms that we use. And if you have diversity and you have inclusion, you are likely to get belonging. But, you know, you can't have belonging without inclusion and you can't have inclusion without diversity. But you can have diversity without inclusion. Right. Like and and I think this is where. This is where the second book kind of came from, which is this idea around, um, you know, l- leaders, leaders being worth following. Like the, the, the number one, um, the, the most crucial factor in whether there will be inclusion in an organization is down to the behaviors of the leaders. Um, and it is it is um, it, it it is the behaviours of the leaders that will, that are, that I believe is the difference that makes the difference around inclusion.
0: What do you mean by the behaviours of the leaders? What types of behaviours do they have to show? And are you saying that belonging has to always start at the top down?
1: Well, I mean, I I do I do think that that I mean belonging is a is a kind of community. Experience, mm. but I, I I I hold the belief that the culture of any organization is going to be shaped by the worst behavior that you're willing to tolerate in a leader. Yeah, and and so we are wired um, as human beings. We're wired to copy each other. Um, it's how we learn. You know, if any of you have uh, if you have like little humans in your life, um, you will know how quickly they mimic and copy. Um, and that's, you know, that's to do with social learning, it's to do with neurology, like there's a whole, you know, a whole host of reasons why. Um, and we tend to, we we tend to be more predisposed to copy the people that are in positions of power. Um, and, uh, and so um, when, when, when you, when, a, when somebody in a in a senior position in an organization behaves in a certain way, then the organization, the team, or the people around them will be biased towards that behavior. So, while I believe it's everyone's job in an organization to behave in inclusive ways, um, I, I I believe that it is it is more of the leader's job to set that tone. So yes there is a top-down um, top approach to this. Um, and um, as I said, it's not just about the kind of relational interaction behaviors between person to person. It's also about the policies and processes and, and platforms and procedures that an organization puts in place to enable all of that.
0: Mm. So it's both structural level and at the very top so that yep. it's clear to everyone throughout the organization this is the law of the land is the wrong expression, but yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, 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 can, I can jive with that.
0: <laughs> Amazing. And now Just Global is, in case the name didn't give it away, a global company. And yeah. how does creating a place that's attractive to work and fostering a sense of belonging play out on an international level? And mm-hmm. how can com- companies do so that's mindful of cultural differences and regional mm-hmm. nuances?
1: Yeah, that's a such a beautiful question. You know, I I will start by saying that the need to belong transcends geographies, generations. Um, It is it is a it has been found um, through longitudinal studies um, uh, to to be a basic human need that is cross-cultural.
0: So
1: that that's an important place to start. And then we have to ask ourselves a question: Well, how how do people within different cultures and countries want to experience community and want to experience belonging? And that's a real um, that's a that's a really uh, complex question for companies to be asking themselves. How do we do it at Just Global? Well, we have a we have um, a cultural fabric, a brand cultural fabric in our organization, our mission, vision, values, behaviors that um, transcend uh, geographies and, and work globally. And then um, what becomes really important is, is how those get expressed. And we, we believe that it's really important that our teams in Australia or Singapore, or even, you know, the West Coast to the East Coast or the Midwest of America, and even in different regions in the UK, like, you, you get to be able to express what that looks like and what that sounds like and what that feels like in a way that is, um, is empathetic and sympathetic to your home culture. Um, You know, one of the things that we talk about a lot um, at Just Global is this idea of global. So it's kind of we have a global approach uh, or global philosophy with a local approach. Um, And so there are there are aspects of our culture and the way that we work together that we do um, run globally. But how they're brought to life is, you know, really down to the regions um, and the regional teams to kind of breathe breathe life into that
0: and I want to kind of bring it back to a marketing focused discussion and I think I think it goes without saying that there's a tendency for marketing to hop on the latest bandwagon and talk about issues like well-being in a really superficial way you know like fruit bowls and bring your dog to work and morning yoga and obviously those things have their place but how can we move the conversation away from just surface level and focus on creating really, really structural
1: change? Mm. yeah, I mean, you know those those things that you mentioned, Lucy, I think they are table stakes um, these days you know like the, the idea of fruit at work or you know or how, how you know enabling you know perks and benefits for people when they're working from home or if they're working in a physical location. They're, they're just expected these days, you know. Uh, the the big employers, the big tech employers like Google uh, and Meta. Many many years ago, they changed the game, right? Like they they changed the game in terms of employee experience. So, um, all of those things that you mentioned, I I believe are really important. Um, but they are hygiene factors, you know. They are they are required. Almost, they—they they are. Of course, we offer those sorts of things. So, what what is the difference that makes the difference? Again, i i i go back to I go back to leadership. You know, um, there was a wonderful piece of research done many, many years ago um, uh, in the '80s. <laughs> I say many, many years ago. This <laughs> feels like yesterday to me, but anyway, um, uh, called um, by Marcus Buckingham and Kirk Goffman. And they published their research in a book called First Break All the Rules," and the, and the, it was the, the it was the biggest piece of research ever done into workplaces and what drives productivity and what drives employee engagement. And they and this book has I, I would definitely recommend it. Um, it it has many findings, but one of one of the things that that stuck with me is is the idea that people don't um, that don't leave companies uh, bad companies they leave bad managers. And so I go back to the idea that our relationship to and with the people that are our managers or are in senior position to us is fundamental and critical to our enjoyment and our success at work. I believe that it is the leader's job, and this is this is all set out. Um, in, in the in my second book, Leadership is a Behaviour, not a title. I, I believe that it is the leader's job to make their team look good, not the other way around. I believe in supporting lines instead of reporting lines. Um, and I and I believe that um, uh, as I said, you know, that it, it the 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 quality of leadership is the thing. Um, that will cause people to choose, choose with their heart, and choose with their mind, and choose with their feet. How the how they will or won't show up every single day.
0: I think we're going to have to do another episode on what makes a good leader. Then.
1: Oh, I mean, I can I could talk for days and days about that, Lucy.
0: Amazing. <laughs> uh, just quickly, just to quickly wrap things up. Um, what word would you use to sum up what creates a good pl- place to work in 2023?
1: Um, if, if if you were going to give me one word, I would say kindness. Mm. Um, and if you were going to allow me to, you know, have a, a um, perhaps a sentence, I would say the ability to assume positive intent and give other people the benefit of the doubt.
0: Well, I think that's all we have time for. So DDS, thank you for taking the time to speak with me today. And thank you to our audience for tuning in. Make sure you tune back in every week to the B2P Marketing Podcast as we answer all of your marketing questions and help you become the best marketer possible. So thank you and goodbye.